0: Hello and welcome to the 28th episode of the Midnight Film Review Podcast, Part 2. <laughs> My name is Brian Stevens, with me as always, Colin Smith.
1: Hi, it's me, I'm Colin Smith, hello.
0: Man, this is a rough start, huh? Yeah,
1: we did, we did a whole little dumb bit, and then we weren't recording, so now you don't get to hear it, and you'll never know.
0: Yeah, uh, unless you email us. If you email us and ask, then uh, we will let you know what we were talking about.
1: Yeah, we'll, we'll re-record it and send you an mp3. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, we will just for you just just to reward your effort
0: midnight film review at gmail.com email us and you'll get that little extra tidbit oh yeah
1: we're all about those
0: extra tidbits we're, we're doing some extra we're doing some extra things now you, you might you might be surprised <laughs> uh, man what kind of show do we have today I think we, we have a,
1: a, a stupendous show
0: stupendous show yes yes um, so we have uh, some news that we're gonna talk about the unfortunate demise of Seth Graham Smith directing a Flash film. <laughs> not,
1: not the unfortunate demise of Seth Graham Smith. No, but yeah, his departure from another DC universe film.
0: The fortunate demise of Xbox 360. Maybe
1: it depends on who you ask.
0: Yeah, there you go. Um, and then we're going to talk, <laughs> which I can't believe this is a thing. But uh, Transformers Four: Age of Extinction is being sued. Well, Paramount is being sued by a Chinese company for not enough product placement. Mm-hmm. We're going to d- dive into that, and then um, some good news. Some yeah. good
1: news. some interesting news. Yeah. Definitely good news, though.
0: Alicia Vindicar was cast as Laura Croft in the Tomb Raider reboot.
1: So or Alicia Vikander. Vikander? Vikander. Depends on who you ask, I guess. <clears throat> I like I like Vindicar, though. Vindicar? It makes her sound Indian.
0: <laughs> yeah, it does um, so then we're going to do a uh, media hot take together because originally if you remember last week we said we were going to review a movie called Criminal sorry Kevin Costner um, but we decided not to do that so we're going to give you our hot take on it and instead we're going to review Keaton Peel's latest movie Keanu Keanu so great show um, beautiful show stupendous show
1: Tur- turgid show. Turgid? Uh-huh, turgid. It's, yeah, it's gonna be... Yeah.
0: Uh, so, uh, wordness to the turdness.
1: <laughs> wordness to the
0: turdness. <laughs> um, so, let's start talking about DC. Um, so, it was revealed that Seth Graham Smith has left um, the pre-production of The Flash film uh, over creative differences is what the article said.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Um, and... I'm not sure if this is Fallout from Batman vs Superman and maybe a direction that he wanted to take it. But uh, let's not forget, Seth Graham Smith is a comedy writer. And uh, he wrote the Dark Shadows <laughs> film, which was a whatever. But he, he's a comedy writer. So what do you think the underlying problem was? Do you think it was he didn't want to he wanted to do his own thing or I
1: so did he write the screenplay did he co-write the screenplay I don't know I don't know We'll look that up Um, I mean his he's had some experience with action directing too I mean he did uh, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter right and he just did the Pride and Prejudice and Zombies adaptation which nobody saw which may or may not have been fun Um, so that seems to be his thing is kind of sticky
0: he was tabbed to write the flash screenplay Okay, so, uh,
1: and I think they're they're keeping his script, but they're finding a new director. Uh, so I don't know what that means, um, but it's it's never, never a g- good sign. You know, no. this it, this doesn't mean the film is doomed, but never a good sign when your writer or director, you know, has produced a screenplay for you and then backs out uh, in pre-production. So you know, just add it to the list. There's and there's rumors too that James Wan is having cold feet about potentially directing the Aquaman movie that doesn't mean anything just Hollywood rumor machine stuff but yeah it does not not bode well for the future of these these films
0: we were a lot of people were giving them credit because they were going after um, some young auteurs maybe some um, young blood some talent that normally wouldn't get uh, injected into these and different kinds of directors yeah um um and now it seems that maybe, maybe. I mean, we've only lost Seth Graham Smith. We haven't lost James Wan yet. But sometimes when there's smoke, where there's smoke, there's fire. He hasn't came out and refuted any of this. Um, so, but until you know, there's confirmation. It's hard to say. We don't want to speculate too much. But I mean, I eh, Paramount is sitting on a potential gold mine with these DC characters. It's just they haven't found a reliable way to so Warner. Sorry, I said Paramount. Yes, yeah. Warner, uh, Paramount we,
1: We've been talking about Paramount a lot recently. Yeah. So,
0: um, but yeah, Warner, Warner Brothers. Sorry, they're sitting on this this mountain of cash that they just they can't. Well, they find. think
1: they're yeah they're <laughs> they would like to be sitting on a mountain yeah. of cash.
0: I mean, other than the Dark Knight trilogy, yeah, they have not had success at all with these films, and it's honestly kind of embarrassing. It's, you know they trusted Christopher Nolan a lot. And now it seems they trusted Zack Snyder too much. So I can can understand maybe why they didn't want to just lap over creative control to Seth Graham Smith. Uh, I mean, I get it, but...
1: Uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, who knows? From the outside, who knows? Because you do want to give them creative control, but you also want to have the freedom to kind of... Shape the characters in a certain direction, yeah. Nudge the story in a certain direction. And I don't know. Who kn- who knows? And here we are talking about DC again, yeah. But uh, it's, yeah, it's just like the the gift that keeps on giving. These debacles, you know.
0: It, it's 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 sad and fun at the same time, if that's possible.
1: Yeah. Oh, and and we found out that the uh, the Batman vs Superman extended cut Blu Ray the the runtime is 181 minutes. (laughs) So,
0: yeah. Yeah, if you have... Maybe
1: they successfully fit all five films into those 181 (laughs) minutes.
0: If you have three hours of your life that you just don't need anymore, Uh then sit down and watch that film.
1: Yeah, so, you know, instead of, like, drinking yourself into a a black oblivion (laughs) or, you know, lighting up that third crack rock, just watch Batman or Superman instead.
0: Or you could do a drinking game. Every time something happens in the plot that doesn't make sense, take a shot. Well,
1: I don't, we don't want to kill any of our listeners. We yeah, don't really have, we have that many <laughs> have to begin with, so maybe we shouldn't do that.
0: All right, Colin, so let's talk about Xbox. Um, so, uh, they Microsoft has officially shut down the production of Xbox 360. Yes. I mean, we knew it was coming, um, you know... It wasn't gonna last forever. They Xbox One is now full fledged in the market, one hundred percent. So, um, you're more of a gamer than I. Talk about like the significance of this. What is th- what does this mean, and how does this re- reflect on uh, the gaming industry when it, when a when a console dies?
1: Well, console shelf lives are a big deal in you know, especially in the last. Fifteen years, twenty years, something like that. And the the problem is that um, <laughs> since the original PlayStation um, console shelf lives have been getting larger, longer. However, you want to quantify that. Right. Um, and I think I think really the industry standard is they project probably about an eight year console life, something like that, um, but between 8 and 10 years. So they're right on the mark. uh, The problem is as technology progresses more quickly over time, um, as hardware gets exponentially more powerful over time, the longer you run into that interim between console releases, um, the more difficult the it is to develop for both the more uh the more the old hardware is holding the new hardware back so you have these periods where like a new console comes out the old console is still fully supported and you know only really early adopters and people with extra money are picking up the new consoles and then that lasts about a year and then there's another two years or so or three years where more and more people are buying it than the next generation and the old console is sort of, in some people's eyes, holding back development, you know? Mm-hmm. So you have games like, games like Destiny, which in a perfect world would have been a next-gen only game, would have been a, um, you know, a Xbox One and PS4 exclusive. Um, but because the publisher wants to make money and in this case, you know, Activision spent half a billion dollars on development, yeah. so you can understand they wanted a return on that. Um, they make sure that the game hits as many viable markets as possible, which means it has to drop on last gen and current gen. Uh, and from a development standpoint, that is makes things difficult. You have to compromise, and. That, that can be good and, b- and bad. Like, you you don't want people making games with unnecessary content just because the hardware has the ability mm-hmm. to handle that content. But on the other hand, you don't want to make sacrifices that impact your the vision of your game just because you have to shoehorn it into an, an old piece of hardware so a company can make more money. So you know, so Destiny is really interesting because they have actually, as the game has been patched and updated, the the feature list um, has had to change between iterations of the game. So all the all the content is there in the new game, or in the in both versions of the game, like current gen and last gen. But they've had to do things like change the inventory structuring. Like, change how many items can be displayed at once. Change, like, how tooltips work. Um, just weird little workarounds that, uh, you know, programmers have been doing since since the beginning of of console gaming, since the beginning of rendering, really, to yeah. kind of make something work in a space it really shouldn't work in by normal standards. So,
0: I mean, one thing that I... So I wasn't. I never. I never had an Xbox uh, 360. I was always a PlayStation person. Um, But the Xbox 360 kind of changed the way online gaming worked. It Uh, did. Yeah. And it was really. um, It was really the first. I mean, I had played uh, online on on a PC before, but it was really my first immersive. Action was playing Xbox 360 online and um, against other players and that was uh, that was originally a big selling point of it, right? Am I, am I right about that? You No, you, you're totally
1: right. Um, Xbox Live really set the standard um, for a very long time for integrated console multiplayer content. Um, you know, with the ability to not only play multiplayer games, but um, you know, chat um, and features like that. Their their store. Um, I, I mean, in a lot of ways, I think it's you. It's pretty fair to say that if you believe in things like console wars, that Xbox three hundred and sixty was the clear winner mm-hmm. between PS three and between how about Sony and Microsoft? We'll say that PS three and Xbox three hundred and sixty. Um, you know the, the UI was was better um, but it, it was just it was more readily integrated more accessible and it saw more use I mean it you know was the preferred multiplayer gaming uh, platform yeah. uh, in a lot of ways and the other thing that Microsoft did well is they established a lot of good a lot of good IP early on mm-hmm. Um you know, things that are still going to this day are still coming back to this day, like the Halo series, obviously. Gears of War. Gears of War, yeah. um, which, you know, has lent itself to 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 multiplayer to Xbox Live. Um, and PlayStation has Sony has kind of so evened even the playing field now. You know, they're both both. Xbox Live and PlayStation Plus are pretty well integrated. They're both pretty cheap. Sony has worked really hard to give away a lot of free games um, Mm -hmm. and keep things free that Microsoft was charging for, like uh, Netflix access and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. um, Which they, I think they went back on that and they're now, it's now free too for access. But uh, yeah, I mean, the, it's it's just standard now and expected, but Microsoft really pushed hard to have an integrated system um, that pretty much revolutionized console multiplayer. And uh, Nintendo, I think, is just figuring that out about 10 yeah. years later. Um, right. Really? Their, you know, their stuff's really problematic, but they're not catering to the same group of games and gamers, I guess. So well, it doesn't I, matter for them.
0: I really think that... So, I mean, my knowledge on this is... Really limited, but I always felt like um, Xbox was more for a a serious gamer and um, someone who was more um, apt to go online and play. Whereas PS3 seemed more like for just an an average Joe who wanted a gaming system because it had other things like the Blu-ray player and it had. exclusive rights to Madden for a a while and I mean that eventually broke down for a minute and then the the sports games and um, EA Sports was for a while only exclusive to PlayStation and then they realized well this is not profitable for us Um, but I felt like there was a clear divide between the people who chose PlayStation, Xbox and then even uh, Nintendo Wii or Wii U. Now it seems kind of shifting a little bit where PlayStation is, I feel like, <sighs> they're catering more to gamers or people who are more apt to play online. It seems like they're trying to make their system a little bit more friendly for that.
1: Well, I I, I don't think that's true. I mean, so what you're describing, I think most people would feel the opposite way. Um, and there's some really easy or some really obvious reasons i can point to. So, but the my perception is that most people felt like the Xbox was the more accessible console that the PS3 was the the more niche console, the more elite console. Mm-hmm. Um there were a lot less ex- good exclusive IP titles on PlayStation. Uh but the Xbox was cheaper. Um, yes, that's true, yeah. It had a cheaper market entry point. Mm-hmm. Um, it pushed a lot more units out early. Uh, the the advent of Xbox Live for all your bro Call of Duty and Halo gamers. Um, and on the other hand, it was arguably less powerful than the PS3. Um, the PS3 was much harder to develop for, to program mm-hmm. for, because they had this ridiculous 8-core Power PC architecture, that was a you know a development nightmare.
0: And that changed though, right? I mean, that's kind of
1: yes, yeah. Both uh, both consoles are actually running very similar uh, hardware architectures now, um, but they're both supposedly much easier to develop for than.
0: I feel like we're getting on a rabbit trail, but what we are the PS uh, four point five? What that's what is what is that?
1: So I I don't really know anything about that. We'll we'll talk about it if there are some official announcements made. Um, usually what happens is, like, halfway through uh, the console shelf life, they do things like the, was it the Xbox 360 Black, mm-hmm. the, the s- Slimline PS2, yeah. Yeah. The, the Hardware Revision 2.0 PS3, where they, if there are components that are failing um, or have defects, they replace those, they change the the look of the build of the unit a little right. bit. Um, and make little tweaks like that. Usually, it's not, you know, it doesn't have anything to do with horsepower, okay, hardware horsepower. But we'll we'll see.
0: I, I'm just not. People have claimed with that it stuff. might yeah, I
1: mean... this time. Um, but yeah, so this generation, the PS Four has the cheaper entry point. Entry point. Um, there aren't really a lot of big uh, console exclusive titles either way. Uh, yeah. I mean, Halo still, but then again, it's not. Bungie anymore, it's 343 Studios now so um, I don't know if it has the same draw Uh, and then you know you have big Uncharted game coming to PS4 here but PlayStation, Sony, they really worked hard to improve their UI and match or beat the uh, online integration Mm -hmm. um, of Microsoft and they've, they've been really successful so far by all accounts so combine that with the fact that you don't have to buy in to connect and you pay a hundred bucks less for the first at least a year two years year and a half of both consoles being on the market I think PlayStation is is competitive again so
0: it's great to hear I love PlayStation um, all right so let's talk about the <laughs> transformers Four: age of extinction something i never thought i would mention that was that is by far one of my least favorite movies i've ever seen very rarely do i just get up and leave a film but i didn't walk out completely but i got up and, and started like walking around outside of the film because it was so unbearable um i i had to leave um but they didn't get sued because they're Necessarily bad. They got sued for lack of product placement. Yeah. Um, what was the company's name again? So it's it.
1: I don't know. We see if you still have it open. It is a a Chinese. Um, I think it was a, a Chinese park, or a Chinese tourism. Yeah. Service something like that, um, and. Paramount took seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars to include a scene which prominently displayed not only this certain area but like prominent signage um, for this. I don't don't know if they're a board or a company, but they're they're a
0: state-run, a Chinese state-run company too. I'm sorry. Yeah. So I just I just Googled uh, Paramount lawsuit and this is the first lawsuit that comes up and I don't know how we missed this because this is perfect for this show yeah uh, it was this story is from January 25th 2016 okay court documents state uh, PA assistants had to use bottles and buckets to defecate um, they're being sued by a group of production assistants who are raising quite a stink <laughs> Uh, Four parking assistants alleged that Paramount, along with Nickelodeon movies, Regency films, and a number of other productions, forced them to go to the bathroom in their cars, including doing number twos. Sorry. Had to read that because it just blew my mind. So Paramount's got a little bit of legal trouble, but um, I'll find out the company that's doing them now.
1: Okay, so, yeah, aside from making production assistants crap in buckets, um, (laughs) well, while Michael
0: Bay watches. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh God! Uh, the film was the the film that they're claiming it on was uh, the first Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So, that, so about you, Michael said, Bay.
1: you said Nickelodeon, and I figured that's what you were talking about. Well, anyway, this so this company sued saying that Paramount failed to um, fulfill the terms of the contract. Uh, Paramount has agreed that that's true, but their their um, argument is that uh, in lieu of the agreed upon product placement or you know, whatever you want to call it. They filmed, they had Michael Bay film a commercial separately for this tourism park or board, or it's Wulong Karst Tourism, and it's a, a state backed travel company. Um, so they had Michael Bay film a commercial and then leave a bunch of recognizable props from the film at this, <laughs> this park, <laughs> which I'd. You know, what does that even mean? Like, did he leave a giant Optimus Prime, you know?
0: Yeah, right. I, I, or
1: did he just leave a bunch of random crap in in a park in China? Walk, Mark and, Wahlberg's
0: underwear and... Oh, uh, man.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Who knows? Um, I So, to me, this is kind of a big deal because it's a state-run thing. And... Uh, well, Michael Bay relies heavily on the Chinese market for his films to be successful I mean I think um, you could say that oh, well over a quarter of his box office comes from China alone
1: well they I think that the figure was around 320 million on this film
0: which made probably about I think close to a billion yeah I mean, uh, it was like 890 million so that's a huge chunk I mean and if you don't have China these days backing you this might be the greatest thing to happen to us this uh, might cause the demise of Michael Bay, actually.
1: I don't think anything... At, at this point, if it hasn't happened... He's, he's made four of these goddamn movies. And he's making another one
0: right now. I mean... As we speak.
1: The, yeah. The director, who is like... Might as well be a giant phallus with <laughs> legs attached.
0: Is He's not going anywhere. I, I just... <laughs> well, so, I mean... It, this is happening, by the way, this isn't happening in U.S. court. This is happening in Chinese court. Yes. So the, <laughs> a state-run business is suing a another company uh, in a state-run court. I, I wonder who's going to win that.
1: I don't know. Well, I mean, the fact that Paramount has admitted that they didn't fulfill the terms of the contract is pretty telling. Like, you know, you're already, like, fist-fucked how many product placements <laughs> yeah. into this movie yeah. why why did you miss this one this seems like an easy one yeah Nobody, exactly i mean
0: you know uh, i mean i do have you haven't seen the movie oh god but no. it feels like the whole purpose for going to china would be for this product placement i mean the movie the plot gives no reason whatsoever to end up in china they just kind of go to china go to china yeah so i, I mean i feel like you wasted a, an opportunity for the product placement i mean I think it's true. They're suing for like twenty-seven million, but they only paid seven hundred fifty thousand to be in the actually. return on
1: the investment. Man, yeah, I yeah. guess
0: you're right. Uh huh. Um, I I just wish they'd stop making these movies. Um, well,
1: as long as people are seeing, th- th- this is the problem. You know, all the people out there who probably aren't listening to the show. <laughs> <laughs> all the people in China. Who are willing to spend money to go see... And you. Actually, Brian, you're part of the problem. That's you know true. what? You, I, you paid for a ticket to see oh, this, this fucking film. Yeah. You are... You're supporting America's film industry cancer.
0: You're, I, you are correct. I I have no room to speak. I gave them my money. You did. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. On to some happier news. Yeah. Shall we? Uh-huh. Um, Probably one of my favorite actors to come about in 2015 Alicia Vikander uh huh um won an Oscar um we're just gonna pretend like it was for Ex Machina but won an Oscar uh for the Danish Girl um was in uh my favorite movie from last year uh, one of my favorite movies Ex Machina um was in uh The Man From U.N.C.L.E. which uh, you saw I haven't seen but Mm -hmm. um how'd she do in that was she she was fine yeah yeah um, has been tabbed to play um, Laura Croft. La- Laura Croft. Lara. Laura. Laura. Laura Croft. Um, which and I was blown away. Like I, first of all, I'm shocked that they would cast someone who um, doesn't have the name recognition. But also, I'm surprised that she would take the role. Uh, just being, the, I mean, she's new to the game. She's only been acting for uh, basically a year or two, mm-hmm. and um, she seemed to be wanting to take uh, less, more, in, uh, more of the indie route. Um, but then you reminded me that she was in Man from Uncle, which was a summer blockbuster film, and it was an action film. Um, I, I'll just be honest. I'm. Just, I wouldn't. I wouldn't call it an action film, but well, okay. I, I, yeah. Um, that's how it was portrayed and sure yeah yeah uh, I, I'm just I'm really excited about this like um Angelina Jolie was fine I think that uh that first movie was kind of an they both neither one of them were very good but I enjoyed them put it that way huh well so huh
1: yeah I, I'm not gonna say I enjoyed either of those films um But what I think happened is the old uh, Eidos Tomb Raider games were not popular because of the strength of characterization of Mm Laura. They were popular because the mechanics were fun, the games were well made, and because they featured a Busty heroine. Right. Um, And I think that Angelina Jolie's performance in those empty nonsense films pretty much was all you could expect from that characterization adapted to I mean, you know, what did they have to work with? They were just capitalizing on the popularity Mm -hmm. of something else. Uh, And then fast forward to the reboot... Of the Tomb Raider franchise, which happened, I want to say, three years ago by now. Something like that. 2013. Um, maybe 2014. But they they took the character and uh, I maybe I that's not even fair to say. They took the franchise. Mm-hmm. They took the name and the idea of Lara Croft uh, as somebody who is, I don't know, an Indiana Jones-style archaeologist, maybe, something like that, and they put a realistic twist on it, um, made the character compelling, um, put the character in an interesting and dynamic situation, removed the focus on sexuality and exploitation, and on top of it all, crafted a really fantastic game um, with uh, some interesting interesting twists um, but the beginning of the game is is brutal and it I think I think it it's sets up a film adaptation really well because Laura is ends up on this island and she's injured and she's being separated from the people she got there with. Um, and she is being hunted. And it, it is a tense and terrifying situation. And she is an academic. She's not like, you know, she's not just some generic badass. She's not like, you know, wasn't raised by a, you know, her special forces dad <laughs> yeah. and trains. You know, this is like a normal person in a survival situation forced to adapt. and. What no? Oh no. Okay. Um, it it it's a really compelling way to have to establish a relationship with a character and to have the audience or the player invest and grow with the character mm-hmm. as you survive these things, as you become more confident, um, as you start to figure out what's going on. So I think if they just take that, take the foundation there, um, then Alicia Vikander is. Vicander is an awesome choice like she is just a good actress um, you, and if you make this character a real person in a fucked up situation uh, and then who eventually you know begins to believe in themselves and survive and um, unravel whatever situation is happening around them um, I think that could be a really good film you know
0: um, Forbes had a good article uh, that about this and uh, they, they were kind of addressing the backlash to some of the online social media bros who... There's uh, really been a backlash against this? Yeah. Uh, some people have said she's not busty enough. Oh, she, yeah. No. I mean, clearly that is what you should be concerned about. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, that she's um, not muscular enough. She, she's not believable in this role. And... Uh, Forbes was kind of saying, like, well, you guys are stupid one because uh, the new version of Laura Croft in those... I haven't played them, but from what I understand, she's not skintily clad in a uh, tank top with uh, booty shorts on. Mm -hmm. She's running around with a parka most of the time, is the way they explained it, and that she's uh, just trying to survive um, in the new games. And secondly... um, I didn't know this until you told me but um Vikander is an ex um well I mean she's a ballerina she's yeah a dancer uh, yeah a, a classical classically dancer trained, and that just means that she is extremely athletic and uh she will bring a physicality to the role that I don't think oh, I, what this reminds me of is the casting of Emily Blunt at, in uh, Edge of Tomorrow and Sicario, mm-hmm. that petite woman who can hold her own um I am thoroughly excited for this uh, because I, I love her. I think she's a talented actress who um, is ready for stardom. and I This is the kind of role that could if, – if this movie is done correctly, if it has the right story and script and uh, director behind it, um, this could be her franchise and this could be something um, that we look forward to. Yeah, Uh, I I mean,
1: I'm not really sure what, if they're going to adapt the first game, or if they're going to adapt Rise of the Tomb Raider, um, like what narrative they're going to go for, but I think, you know, if she, I, I don't even, yeah, I don't know if she even has to get more muscular or stronger or whatever. I mean, if that's what they want the character, if that's what they think it calls for, then so be it, but um, I think she is absolutely equipped to deal with whatever this role demands of her. The other thing is, you know who I think would make a great, uh, great Lara Croft casting decision is uh, Daisy Ridley. Yeah. Um, I think Daisy Ridley could fill these shoes well, too. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, Lara needs to be smart, and she needs to be tough, but not like a badass tough, like a survivor tough. Mm-hmm. And those those are the important things here. I mean... What is wrong with people? What is wrong with my gender? God
0: damn it! Gotta be busty. Um, Just yeah. yeah. Well, I think that's gonna do it for open discussion. Um, Move on into media hot takes. Oh yeah, let's
1: let's dump a hot take all over all over (laughs) this mic. All right, hold on to us. Don't let go.
0: Alright we're back with some media hot takes I'm a criminal <laughs> Yeah I'm a criminal
1: uh, Wait I, I didn't do it You want me to do it? Yeah do it Media hot takes that,
0: There it is You okay. have to do that every time Alright That's All right. our calling yeah, card for this segment Alright so If you didn't already know We are going to drop a deuce on this <laughs> mic Because we're going to talk about Criminal Yes uh, Kevin Costner's latest film
1: um, a movie almost as confused about
0: its own identity as Batman vs Superman. <laughs> almost. Um, so th- we were kind of forced. We, we we don't like taking weeks off. We like doing this podcast. We like doing it. Uh, <laughs> Believe it or not, we're not in this for the money, folks. <laughs> this is this is a passion project for us. Yeah. Um, so, but we don't like to take weeks off because you know we enjoy spending time together, spending time with you, and there was nothing. Release last week uh, that was interesting, or uh, even we felt valuable to see. And well, we—I mean, we
1: talked about it. We had two options. Yeah. Option one was criminal, and option two was barbershop. The next cut, and by all accounts, <laughs> we chose poorly.
0: Oh, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> uh, did we ever? Uh, and so we didn't really want to. Uh, we didn't. We didn't want to leave this nugget. On, you know on the on the scrap heap so we decided to make it our media hot take um, huge booming cast uh, tons of great actors yeah um, a capable director um, not really done a whole lot before Ariel Vraman um, directed the Iceman which was a very popular Netflix film um, starring Michael Shannon about the um, hitman um, the Iceman um, but this movie, is just first of all, let's just say Kevin Costner was very poorly cast. I, I mean, on
1: paper, like maybe that looks like a good casting choice. Yeah. In, in a world where Kevin Costner can act, <laughs> right? Then he had he's like the right age and he looks yeah, right for right. the role. Yeah. The problem is Kevin Costner can't act, so despite what he looks like, it just it doesn't matter. Like. It's not It's not going to come together.
0: I mean, you're right. Is. Which which makes me
1: want to go... Like, So the only Kevin Costner movie I've ever liked was Open Range. And it's been so long mm-hmm. since I've seen it. Like, if I go back and watch it... I, th- I saw it in theaters, I think. I haven't watched it since then. If I go back and see that now, am I going to be like, what was I thinking? I'm just really afraid.
0: Uh, yeah, I actually... Put Open Range in my queue on Amazon. Um, I don't think it's on Prime, but I was thinking about running it and watching it again because that's another. That was the last movie of his that I really felt like. Um, what was the first? Um. So he's been in. There's been other role like. Bodyguard.
1: <laughs> I, I, I was know. The, You don't have to lie. It's okay. No, no,
0: no. So, um, Bull Durham, um, and. <sighs> The thing is, when you think about when I look back and I'm like going through this stuff, so Bull Durham, a baseball movie uh, with uh, a love story, so it's really like kind of a, a, a dude's romantic comedy. Field of Dreams, the same thing. Um, the Untouchables, which I feel like now I haven't gone back and watched it, but I've I've almost said it a couple times. I feel like that is. Probably, I'm in, in my mind, I'm thinking that that is more of and I might enjoy it more because of the nostalgia factor of watching it when I was younger with my family. But I mean, that cast is great too, Robert De Niro and yeah. Sean Connery.
1: I think it's a good movie in spite of Kevin, of Kevin Costner. Costner, yeah. yeah.
0: I, Dances with Wolves, I wasn't oh, a fan of. JFK, I did like JFK, but I, I don't think, I think again, I don't think it's his performance that really yeah. does anything. So, yeah. I, Wyatt Earp Waterworld Hmm. I mean just looking back at these movies I just um hit 3000 miles to Graceland uh it's not a bad movie but I think it's because of Kurt Russell yeah like I don't I can't so it makes me want to watch Open Range again um Mr. Brooks was actually a film that I uh thought was interesting never seen it um It's... I wouldn't... I'm not going to say I recommend it necessarily, but anyways, get back on track. Yeah, so Criminal, he just... He is horrible. I mean, this is probably one of the worst acting performances from an A-list, quote-unquote A-list star I've ever seen. And he's really trying. Yeah, uh, so there's... We'll
1: try and keep this spoiler free, I guess. Like, I don't know who really cares about this movie.
0: I mean, can I just... Yeah. They give away...
1: Yeah, if, if so, if you've seen the trailers for this movie, then the ending is ruined for you, and you don't know it yet. But when the climax comes, you'll be like, "Oh, I've already seen the twist in the trailer. That's disappointing. <laughs> right. They just Terminator 2'd me." It's. You know?
0: I mean, it is. Uh, that, 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 there, there's very little joy in this film. Like, I mean, there there are like moments of like inter- interesting. Yeah. Uh, you just undercut the entire film by having that in the trailer it just doesn't make sense I, I mean there's no logical way that you can ever I mean I just don't that doesn't add anything to the trailer at all nope and it, it I don't know whatever the, the 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 film has I think two important questions that it's asking and they never they never it never feels cohesive so, like, you, on one side you have, like, um, you know, terrorism slash... Uh, so you have this... This dude's supposed to be an anarchist. Yeah. But, it, it, I mean, is he really? I, I don't...
1: I don't think they know what that word yeah, means.
0: Exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think he even said that, from like, I don't think they know what anarchy means. Yeah. And then you have Kevin Costner's character who is very compelling, has a very compelling story. Like he this man who has uh lost all sense of empathy and um but yet he's injected with uh, this i mean you could say for lack of a better term uh, empathy serum that affects him but it just it doesn't dwell on any of these things or do anything relevant that makes you understand this character more or i don't know this film is frustrating.
1: Yeah the the problem is this this film never makes up its mind about what kind of movie it's trying to be, yeah. and it just is constantly like changing focus uh, and never never is satisfying. Never mm. resolves anything. I mean it's it starts off as a you know a spy thriller and then moves to a. Science fiction, um, like Terminal Man, sort yeah. of thing, and then a weird, there, <laughs> like a hacker, you know, <laughs> terrorist James Bond save yes, the world sort James of thing, Bond, yeah. and then you have this weird, like loss and love and connection and humanity question story being and it just nothing nothing is done to to satisfaction um, and on top of that it's just his performance is bad there's probably a, it's it's like I could see the direction they were supposed to take the character mm-hmm. on paper and Kevin Costner just can't make it happen Right? like he can't he can't get it across to the audience yeah and I almost feel like they, they cut around that or something and I think you're right it just... Because the... I don't know. The film feels weird. And the direction is fine. You know? It's... There are a couple interesting shots. The film um, looks good, too. I don't feel it like... It looks the, good, yeah. yeah. cinematography is good. It's just... It's, it's like what we used to say all the time. You know? No amount of talent is going to save your film from a bad script. Yeah. And... In this case, a bad script and a bad leading actor.
0: Yeah. And I, I feel like this... Uh, they had trouble marketing this film because the film doesn't make sense in a lot of ways. Yeah, it doesn't
1: know what kind of film it is. Yeah,
0: so that's why it was kind of intriguing to us in ways, because, like, what is this film? Um, And That that is what this film is. (laughs) And I would say, like, half of the film, I, I... The story of Kevin Costner's character I find compelling, and if... I kind of wish they would have just stuck to that and not even have this MacGuffin that he's chasing like uh, maybe and the other, here's the other thing sorry I don't want to give away too much because uh, I mean uh, uh, you know what I don't really care so they're looking for a flash drive like but they're looking for the person because he has like wouldn't it just make more sense to have him just look for the person like why Why? like why is a flash drive a thing like why Well, he is looking for the person I know but then the, it, that person turns into a thumb drive like well he, he makes it into a thumbnail. I know. I'm sorry, I just, yeah. it just... It's frustrating because then you don't... I don't know. I don't think you needed that in climax at all. I think you could have just made it about him finding this person.
1: Well, all right. So what this film... The, the problem is the script is so unnecessarily and overly complicated. <laughs> yeah. What what yeah. this film... How this film should have been written is there's this dead agent or whatever. They, they take um they take Kevin Costner's character, they perform the procedure on him, but they don't need something that's alive or something that's time critical. they just need a piece of information mm-hmm. and the conflict should be set up between the the main character and the government
0: right that's that's all you yeah, need. Yeah. you don't
1: need this third, and fourth party yeah. in the form of this hacker and this terrorist, yeah. and then you know, it just there's there's no you know no investment in anybody by the, by the that point, and the film is just loosely tied together and ridiculous. You just need the government, and this person who is, you know, a psychopath, but then also becomes a victim of circumstance and that's how you create this compelling moral issue and that's how you involve the family and in an interesting way and it's so simple like why did you add all this extra shit it's it's fucking
0: unnecessary i feel like it was uh, a call for more action like they felt like they needed more action and it does you're right the end feels kind of like a bond movie and um well the the trailers
1: make it look like you know he, he gets Liam Neeson injected into his yeah. brain, which is what I thought was going to happen. And it's, it's not really the case. It's not an action film. Hmm. There are a few action sequences, but there's also a lot of just brutal violence, yeah. which is not, I wouldn't call it action at
0: mm-hmm. all,
1: um, you know?
0: No, yeah. I mean, in fact, the the, the in a lot of ways, the uh, violence you are not comfortable with because your character is actually killing quote-unquote good guys or just yeah. random people or hurting people that just are just bystanders, you know. And it, 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 that's what was compelling to me in the beginning is it gives you this. So this is our protagonist. This is the person we're following around, and yeah. he's doing unsavory things to people for no reason. And that was interesting to me. And I, they quickly just... Leave that notion yeah, behind, uh-huh. and there, the the struggle we see we don't see very well, but the struggle that we find when Kevin Costner uh, starts realizing that he's experiencing empathy or um, his personality is changing, it's really only for one scene, and yeah. then it's kind of abandoned, and he's yeah. just he's changed.
1: Then yep, he's well, it's just done, and he is part Ryan Reynolds, part <laughs> right. Kevin Costner. Yeah.
0: Um, I don't know. So, I, I Would you recommend anybody see this film? For no, any reason? Don't, yeah, don't. Don't I see don't. this
1: film. It's, this is a, a movie with an incredible cast, and I thought Gal Gadot was the,
0: yeah, the highlight
1: of this movie. Her performance yeah. was, like, to do so much with such a shitty role and such a it, nonsensical yeah.
0: character. It felt like she was in a different movie a, a lot of the times. Yeah. The way that, I mean... Yeah, you felt her pain and her, her hurt more than anything else, I yeah. think, in this film, yeah. It's uh, like, oh,
1: at least somebody's acting and not just phoning it in here.
0: Yeah, I mean, Tommy Lee Jones is, like, completely wasted in the film. Like, I, Yeah, and even even Gary Oldman, like, his character has no <laughs> he direction. He just runs around and he's yelling. Yeah. He's
1: just running around yelling. Well, the, the first scene he's in, it's like he is... they. So they set up what I thought was going to be the film, like what I just described, yeah. because he's ruthless and mm. he is arguably i was like oh okay who's the real monster yeah, here yeah. is it and no we just they just totally forget about his character and there's no character building after that first scene he's just following kevin costner around
0: and michael pitt is why i mean he has no act he doesn't know acting in the film really either yeah uh, i mean strange strange to have this i don't know um, so, so that's criminal um, don't see it <laughs>
1: It's, I mean, unless you want to be really confused about, you know, how something that you thought was an interesting idea could really be four or five uninteresting, poorly executed ideas.
0: <laughs>
1: a, you, you want to
0: see... Put that on the poster. Yeah.
1: <laughs> or if you want to see maybe the worst depiction of hacking and <laughs> how computer systems and networks work in a film that I've seen in a long time. Yeah. Um, this this really takes the cake, and that is like the the one of the central conceits of the movie is built around this <laughs> yeah. fucking ridiculous. Yeah. I yeah. Just I just it hurt it hurts me a little bit. I get this sharp pain in my frontal lobe when <laughs> I think about things that you know. I'm gonna transfer you access to this back door, which gives you gives you total control of every military military system. <laughs> <laughs> launching, launching nuclear missiles on a submarine from my iPhone, hacking the movie. Like, what? what? Just hire a fucking technical consultant. Jesus Christ! You had that in your budget. Anyway, let's move on. That's criminal. Yeah, don't see it. That's all. Yeah, don't see it. Don't all hire right. Kevin Costner ever again. <laughs>
0: what are you fucking people thinking? All right, we'll be back with a movie that you should see. Yes. Uh, stay tuned for a review of Keanu. We're back with our spoiler-free review of Keanu. Uh huh. Um, what do you have to say? Meow.
1: You you want you want me to go right now?
0: <laughs> right meow.
1: Well, finally, we are in here reviewing an intentional comedy.
0: Intentional, yes.
1: That that is a a very rare thing apparently anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember the last time. I've seen a film that was this ridiculous, that was also this enjoyable,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: also a good, you know, a good film as well. Yeah. Um, it it was pretty much everything I expected, but also more in some ways. Um, and I'm re- I'm really glad we're reviewing this instead of uh, instead of criminal. Yeah. How, about, how about that? Me
0: too. I, so, <clears throat> I, we've talked about Keen Peel before on here. I, I wasn't a huge fan initially. They kind of grew on me um, because they started out kind of silly and they've kind of, um, as the show evolved, it, it became more uh, satirical, more witty, and more uh, culturally relevant. Um, and this movie's kind of that way. So, <sighs> I said to me I didn't expect it to be as witty as it was. Um, the the con- the conceit of the film is very silly and uh, the film is it's silly it's a it's a kind of a screwball goofy comedy but there are s- so many cultural quips and witty references. Um, one reference that I'm not sure that um, I don't know if you got or maybe you did and but it I felt like I was the only one in the theater laughing when they reveal that Method Man's character is Cheddar, because I'm a huge fan of The Wire, and his character on The Wire is Cheese, and to me, that was just brilliant. I mean, why wouldn't he just be called Cheddar, because he was Cheese on The Wire, and it's definitely a nod to The Wire, and Mm -hmm. there's little things throughout that, throughout this film, uh, which make me realize that... Um, When I left, I'm like, I'm not sure if this is a movie that will be funny on multiple viewings, but I feel like there's so much uh, wit and humor overlaid in this film that I'll be able to go back and watch and pick up those little snippets of of humor and um, wit that I missed the first time on the first viewing, or maybe even on the second and third viewing. Um, In a lot of ways, it reminded me of Dumb and Dumber in in that aspect. Um, You know, For years, watching Dumb and Dumber, I would find things I missed, Because they were so smart that they were stupid, Mm -hmm. Um, and I feel like that's that's this film in a lot of ways is there's lots of uh, witty humor that I may not even realize it's what it is because I am not aware of maybe an IP or an inside joke or or something like that.
1: Yeah. So I, I I mean, I agree with you. Um, The yeah, and the film does. So the watching the trailer you know you expect it to have a lot of commentary about identity mm-hmm. and about i think their Keen peel's personal relationship with their I, I don't i don't like the word race but race and culture mm-hmm. and where they fit into society and you know their different identities and the different roles they take on, um, interacting with different people, and as they move through the course of their lives, and it, it did that really well, um, and the film is, there are some really painful funny parts. Yeah. Which, I don't know if I was expecting it to be you know, so good that I actually, you know, was willing to, like, find things painful and still be invested and hilarious Um, there wasn't quite as much like character development early Mm. on as I thought there might be they just sort of like dive into this ridiculous uh, MacGuffin chasing story Um, Yeah, but it ends up being okay like it ends up being great uh, Yeah, and the film doesn't it it treads that line of not taking itself too seriously very well and then the ending is, is great Like a a, just a perfect way to end the film, be self aware, and like put a nice capstone on everything.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um,
1: It's yeah, fantastic ending. There were not a lot of characters in the film. Um, (laughs) There, you know, so everybody you expect. Does pretty much what you expect them to do. I, I think the standout for me was Tiffany Haddish as High C, definitely, who I've seen on uh, seen on at Midnight a couple times, and she's hilarious. But I didn't really expect her to kind of carry the acting uh, weight of the film. Like I feel like she's the she's the only one acting the entire time.
0: Yeah, I mean, because I mean. she's really the straight man to she is to yeah. a, a lot of what's going on, even in the rest of her group, which is goofy. I mean, she is the only character who is in touch with reality yeah uh, but she's funny she's still funny in, in uh, a, lot, a lot of great uh, the uh, a specific excha- specific exchange between her and Peel uh, in the movie um, where he is uh, getting r- the wrong message yeah uh, she was perfect then. that was uh, one of the highlights of the movie for me actually um, yeah. I agree she was fantastic mm-hmm by far the um, standout. Uh, I, so, one thing that I thought was interesting is, you know, Key and Peel now have a pretty significant clout, amount of clout in the comedic community. community um, and they could have had some ridiculous cameos. Like, they could have, you know, they could have pulled in Zoolander type cameos. But what they did instead was give us the most random cameos and. They were all perfect. Will Forte is. I wouldn't call. So
1: Will Forte was a character in the film. The, there, there is one cameo that I would say is definitely a cameo, and um, is that? I think that's that might be a spoiler. spoiler. Yeah, that's but a spoiler. other than that, I think this is just. They they had a few fun casting choices. Yes, for sure. Other than that, I wouldn't really say they're cameos, unless there's something I'm forgetting, which is totally no.
0: Possible. I mean, I, I I I They're not. I. Well, I guess you're right. Will Forte is kind of important to the plot, so maybe he could be a character. He just doesn't have a lot of on, of on time uh, screen on time. Oh my god, I can't talk. screen time. A lot of
1: screen time. His character is hilarious, though, yes. and I can't think of anybody else that could play <laughs> well, this role, which is so goddamn ridiculous. Yes. Um, uh, yeah, I don't. I don't think anybody else no. can do that.
0: Um, the the direction of action was surprisingly good by peter uh, Tencio. Uh-huh. well
1: i'm i wasn't surprised by that actually because that is one thing that people have pointed out and that i've seen in key and peel you're correct you're, you're actually right yeah like his eye for action direction mm-hmm. and for so things like the, so the film opens with an action sequence um and there are two gunmen and they're doing things like Staying clear of each other's field of yeah. fire, yeah, and not only that, but you can see that on screen, yeah. and that's that's ridiculous. Like yeah. this is a comedy. Yeah. Like in a normal comedy, you know, that featured something like this, nobody would give a crap about weapons handling or you know, <laughs> right, something like that. And the there, his attention to detail is is unbelievable.
0: Yeah, you know? uh, hey, uh, Peter um, for those who don't know, is. Um, the the main director on Kim Peel and that's pretty much all he's done. He's kind of stuck with these guys for his career. Um, and that's one thing you you are correct. Like one thing I said in my written review was, you know, there's always been a cinematic cinematic quality to the Kim peel show. Mm-hmm. It's never felt like TV in a lot of ways. Um, and this is just expands on it. He takes the universe and um, makes it bigger and he he has uh he definitely has an eye for action Mm -hmm. I just I guess I didn't think about that initially but you're definitely right I mean and then just the action shots of the kitten running oh yeah yeah. perfect Uh perfect and I I, he must have the patience of of a king or something because to to work with cats is already rough but kittens Mm -hmm. um that's a whole other ball of yarn (laughs) Wow, pun intended. Good job. Uh, but no, but seriously, that he—I uh, don't know how he did it, but the, some of those action scenes are are pretty marvelous involving the cat. Uh, and really, Keanu stole the show. I mean, I guess, yeah. I mean, anytime, it's, a, it's a cute little kitten. Anytime he's on it's screen, a lot yeah. of cute little kittens. My, I guess. You my should seven. Say. seven. Seven. Yes. Anytime he's on screen, my heart just melted. Just melted. Love that cat. Just. Yeah. Um. Anything else you want to say before we jump into spoilers?
1: No, I mean, no. This film was freaking hilarious. It was a lot of fun. Despite the fact that there is a ridiculous conceit, (laughs) which is that gangsters want this cat, and killers (laughs) want this cat, and a drug lord wants this cat, and these two ordinary guys are willing to basically compromise their entire lives and well-being to get this cat back. Despite the fact that that's happening, there are some <laughs> very genuine and very hilarious like moments about people and identity uh, in the film, and it just uh, it just works. Like it all works. Mm-hmm. It's it's great. Um,
0: um, yeah, I agree. I think uh, Jordan Peele and Alex Rubens wrote a terrific script with great comedic beats. Um, I think, uh, Key did an excellent job. I I love watching him on screen. Um yeah. he is, um, one of my favorites. And he, he when he when he's playing the uh, macho um, black man, it's just it's terrific. Um, I, I love it. I love it. Um, Shark Tank. Yeah, Shark Tank. <laughs> uh. But I think that's gonna do it for non-spoilers. We'll hop into spoilers, uh, right? now. What, honey? Wow. Oh, are you kidding oh, really? me? You just ruin it every oh, time. Oh. I'll see you at home. Well, wait so a second. Rude. Now, how would you not know that that was taking place? All right. So if you don't want to hear spoilers for Keanu, don't listen to this. You've already come too far. Yes. All right. Spoilers. The
1: cat dies. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Psych. He doesn't <laughs> die. Just,
1: just kidding. That would be horrible.
0: Babies are crying now, Colin. I hope so. Um, I
1: hate babies.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's talk a little bit about the end. Man, yeah. that was...
1: Unexpected,
0: yeah. but delightful. Delightful. Uh-huh. And uh, they set it up for a sequel so well, because Keanu's going to be a kitten forever. Yeah. He's got a rare disease, where he's a kitten forever. Uh-huh. Just... Just... I didn't see. I didn't that. That's a good point. I didn't even
1: see them setting that up for a sequel necessarily. I just saw that as them nodding at the the audience or like at you know, I don't know it was what people a bit want of both, out of cats and cuteness. Yeah, and, I
0: agree. Yeah, mm. probably a little bit of both. But um, yeah, they get real world consequences for their ridiculous <laughs> actions. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And I, you know, I thought it was kind of cool too that. um the rest of the gang accepted them in prison. Mm-hmm. Like, that was... Uh, that was kind of neat. I mean, they
1: did legitimately kill two people. Kill two hitmen. <laughs> exactly. So, yes. you know, that's got to give you some street cred, like they said.
0: And that burst of violence was... So awesome. Yeah,
1: well, and it, it's so weird because you... You don't expect the characters to actually get their hands dirty. Yeah, right. You expect some, you know, Deus Ex Machina to come in yeah. and prevent them from having to act, and they just <laughs> they just kill
0: these two people. Yeah, I kept expecting uh, cheese to show up or someone to come in. Nope, they just they just shoot him. Um, I and I really love how uh, both characters are. <laughs> they just don't want to be. He's like. I didn't kill him you killed him and, and, yeah, and then that but, goes back to the
1: but from a legal standpoint, standpoint it was all you <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, yeah that, that, that was some of the, the funniest parts of the, of the film for me let's talk about Anna Ferris. So th- that's the cameo you're talking about. Yeah, right?
1: that, I think that is a true cameo. You that, that, you're that right. A true cameo.
0: You're correct. That yeah. is. That was so surprising, and well, see, so I did, You can't.
1: I didn't know if she was a character or right. if she was herself. Yeah. And then, like you killed Anna Ferris. Yeah. <laughs> and then he's like, "I loved you in the house, buddy." <laughs> <laughs> you're like, "Oh my god, it's Anna Ferris in the film." Is Anna? Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, just like, yeah. Weird but hilarious moment, and her craziness is is great. It's yes. a great part of the film.
0: Doing, doing blow and smoking holy shit,
1: smoking holy shit, uh, which was it was PCP, something in DMT. Yeah. What was what was the third drug? Uh,
0: it was like PCP. I don't know. I don't remember. So,
1: was it crack? PCP, crack, yeah. PCP, crack, and DMT. Yes. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, it does not sound like a good time.
0: Oh, and we actually we actually got a,
1: a voice cameo from Keanu Reeves. Yeah, although and I read articles, so I didn't look at IMDb to make sure that was actually him. Did you make sure it was no, actually I him? No, I just assumed that it was. Well, I read an article that he got criticism because he actually did not sound enough like Keanu Reeves. Like his his voice performance was not stereotypical enough for people to recognize that it was actually him. Really? Yeah. But I, for that to be true, it would have actually had to have been him,
0: you know, in the first place. So, I mean, I assume that it's him. I don't know why and I, I mean, I don't know why they would get somebody pretending to be him, if that makes you know what I mean? Like that doesn't uh, uh, that doesn't seem like something they would do yeah he's uncredited voice in this okay uh, if you can right here um, there you go so yeah I don't know I thought it, I, I was waiting for that to happen and I just assumed that they couldn't get him until it actually happened um, another b- w- brilliant witty moment of, of the film yeah um, I, I, I so the only real issue I had with with the film. And this is just kind of a small it doesn't I'm not saying that it's really anything is uh there's really no character arc for Peel. Well, I don't
1: I don't really think there's much there's enough of a character arc for I mean there's less of a character arc for Peel, but for you know, Keegan Michael Key's character there are uh, there are more elements of a character there yeah but there's that's... still no arc like they don't the and I wish they had spent more time doing character development I think it you know it's fine that they didn't do it the film is still very enjoyable it's still hilarious but if they had a you know established his the marital stuff with him yeah they it would have really... added more weight mm-hmm. to him punching Rob Hubel at the end if they had established his career and like, his role as a you know a team-building coordinator yeah, or whatever. Yeah, you're right. Instead of just kind of <clears throat> introducing it with a line of dialogue later, I think that would have made it better. Um, and then, you know, for Jordan Peele's character, like if they had made him more emotionally unstable, like or talked about, you know, like why is he chasing this cat? Yeah. If he had really been dragging... Um, you know, dragging his friend or his cousin along more for the ride. Like, I don't know.
0: I agree. Those are all... And that kind of feeds into... I guess that's more of the criticism that I should say is there just really wasn't enough character, in my opinion. Yeah. It definitely needed to be um, a little heavier. And, I mean, the movie's not long. It's only like an hour and a half long. Um, So you could have added 10 minutes of some form of character development in there. I I mean, they obviously chose not to for some reason. Um, It doesn't... It's not a huge detriment to the film. I just feel like it could have been... Uh, more more enjoyable.
1: I, I feel like it might have been cut. You know, I, so I can't imagine. Theory. I can't imagine them putting, especially the the team building aspect. Mm-hmm. Like, just I can't imagine them just shoehorning that in without envisioning a better way to convey that to the audience. Like it, they're 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 not sli- they're not sloppy filmmakers. Right, they and understand. It, yeah,
0: and it's really important in the end of the film, like to their success of getting out of that situation. Is
1: well, it's it's imp- so it's important to the the continuance of them being in that situation yeah, because he is like getting validation for his yeah. efforts by turning like, this you know group oh yeah of they're thugs. working as a team yeah, yeah <laughs> until that and then the yeah
0: <coughs>
1: the moment of their you know coming Connect. coming together in the end and how was moment Luis of realization? Too, by the way. I mean, he's but he's always been awesome. He's always had just so much fun with these weird little roles. Yeah. Like, he's he's hilarious. I was
0: so glad to see him show up. Yeah. Um, I
1: was really happy he was the drug kingpin. <laughs> he,
0: he, in another life he would have been a drug kingpin, I believe. Alternate Universe, Luis Guzman is... He's, he,
1: like, he's such a weird-looking, weirdly built, <laughs> and at the same time charismatic person. Yes, that... It's, uh, it's so, it's such a, a strange... Duality, juxtaposition, and
0: that little lisp that he has. Uh-huh. It's uh, speaking of lisp, yeah. It's all coming full circle now, Colin.
1: Okay, yeah, I totally did that on <laughs> purpose.
0: <laughs> um, anything else you really loved about the film?
1: No, I, I almost wish there, there. So the action choreography is so good. What? Well, the other thing I was going to say is I wish the the Phantomas brothers, oh uh, right, the the hitmen had been more involved in. The film, not necessarily from like a narrative or a plot. I just wish they'd showed up more. Yeah, like they the had Allentown brothers. The Allentown brothers. Boys, yeah. yeah. Uh,
0: smoke and Oil is what smoke we... Smoke and Oil. Dresden? Yeah. Perfect. No, I agree. That They weren't really... Uh, they, they were just kind of an ominous um, stalking figure in the background for the majority of the film. Yeah. Um, and... They were ominous. They yeah. look. You could definitely k- tell it was Key and Peele uh, oh, yeah. behind the makeup, but uh, just uh, that 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 whole conceit was silly too. Like they just don't talk. They just and they want this cat. <laughs> they like they like find the kitten and in uh, the opening scene and it just everything stops.
1: Do you think Do you think there was some visual metaphor there when Key and Peele kill their? Their evil, oh, darker sides, and then that's when they take the trans, make the transition into, you know, embracing this darker part of themselves. Uh, and it, m- it be- maybe yeah. I-, I think I think there that could have been very very intentional visual metaphor. I think
0: you're probably right. Um, yeah. Um, th- we didn't really talk a little, we didn't really talk you mentioned it slightly but maybe we should talk a little bit about uh, the way that race plays a role in this film um <laughs> it's it's not uh heavy-handed in the racial stuff like obviously um Kean Peel are both African Americans um but they intentionally I don't I it's hard it's hard to understand uh, for me, anyways, what they were exactly trying to say about black culture? Did you ha- did you have a hard time because you know um, Key's character is jamming out to George Michael and uh, he, but he they perceive that as uh, being I don't want to say like I don't know the right word like corny a, a, a corny black man um, and then P is like you need to put on. You know He put, puts on some N.W.A. fucked the police uh-huh, uh-huh. And then a cop pulls up And then he turns down And waves Hello officer Like And that's something They always have dealt with On their show Is um, The Quote unquote Corny Cornball Black guy um, But I don't think That they ever I, I don't Do they just play it for laughs I didn't feel like There was Any uh, They. I don't feel like There was a, a Thick cultural statement to me no I don't see and I you know
1: I'm not sure that they're this is necessarily about black culture I think this is about their relationship with black culture mm. or, or what it comes down to is their
0: maybe being outsiders is that what yeah, you're
1: saying their, their relationship with being cultural outsiders mm-hmm. which is I think the bigger theme with a lot of their sketches too where you know
0: yeah you're, visually you're like,
1: you might see them and assume one thing but they you know they are really n- not a part of either world right. and you know mm-hmm. um yeah i i just uh i, I always feel like that uh, i think i talked about it talking about their show their their commentary on outsider culture mm-hmm. or their perspective on being cultural outsiders and you know it's so uh, it's something like uh, uh somebody like you know reggie watts or yeah, somebody like that, you know, they it, it that part of their lives have has given them this this insight into something that most people can't see and most right. people will never have to experience and deal with. So
0: not being accepted by uh, their their community or their race, and that, that is interesting to see. I didn't think about that and. uh Again, maybe I'll pick up on something when I watch it again because this is definitely a film that I'll revisit, I think. Um, I don't revisit a lot of things, but comedies are always good to revisit, especially if you enjoyed them the first time because there's always other things to pick up on. Um, overall, I I think Peel is a talented writer and I'm interested to see their work going in the future. Um, I kind of compared them in my written review to a modern-day Abbott and Costello And the potential for them to make several different types of movies in several different types of genres, um, playing off each other, which I would be interested in seeing.
1: Yeah, some of my favorite moments of the film are when Keegan Michael Key is like flipping out, but he's being inappropriate, (laughs) (laughs) and uh, Jordan Peele is trying to like get him to shut up and like like bring him down to reality or like show him what he's being dumb about and oh my god yeah they just you can tell like they have such good chemistry like they are so their their acting and writing is so like entwined um it it just it's it's awesome it's so much fun to watch yeah
0: and it's i think that uh key is probably the more talented comedic actor um and i feel like peel is probably the more talented writer Mm -hmm. um and I feel like Peele knows how to write for Key, and that is yeah. just a unique thing. Yeah. And uh, it's enjoyable to watch. It's enjoyable to watch their characters. It was enjoyable for me to uh, to see them work with that the, the group. Like some of Key's stuff with uh, Trunk. Was it? It's Trunk. Um, I can't remember all their names.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well. St- all right. So stitches. The high brips. C. <laughs> The blips, the blips are yeah. Seventeen yeah, Street blips.
0: Um, high C, but I mean High C and Peel were more were together more. And yeah. They, the, the the group kind of uh, segments itself. I was thinking more of um, so we have <laughs> we have Trunk Bud and Stitches. Yeah. Um. It, it, Stitch is such a crazy looking dude like
1: that's pretty much his role actually he was uh, he's been on uh, um, at midnight too and he he was hilarious
0: well you know so those three characters were interesting because I looked them up to see because they're not well known characters he was the only one that um, I had never really seen anything for mm-hmm. so Trunk was in The Wire as well um, he played one of the young kids in The Wire and um Bud actually uh, played Eze in Shredda Compton.
1: Oh, really? Yes. Okay.
0: So... Uh, so um,
1: He's, he seemed to have a little more pre- on-screen presence. Yeah, they
0: definitely gave him...
1: Um, him and Tiffany had... Well, no, just... I mean, not even screen time, but just his presence, presence in the scenes. He, yeah. yeah, you could tell he was a better actor.
0: <laughs> yeah, he had definitely been around the game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, overall, I give it an A. I give... And this is the best comedy I've seen in theaters in a long time. It's
1: like it's not perfect, but it doesn't matter. Like it's still hilarious and fun, and
0: I feel like it's a good exercise for them to get out of the way, their first notch on their belt. Um, I I really want to see them make more films.
1: Yeah, I mean, like this is how you go from a sketch show to making a movie. Like, this is how you do it. Yep. Yep. SNL. Why do you fucking exactly? That's
0: in my mind. That's exactly what I was thinking too the entire time I'm watching this film. Is like. And even afterwards, like I, just, it's not as it's not this hard. It's not as hard as they make it, especially if you have talented people involved. Mm-hmm. And uh, Keen Peele just, I guess, maybe make it look look made it look easier than it it maybe be. It might be. So, okay. uh, I think that's gonna do it for our review. Uh, we can talk a little bit about next week's episode. Yeah. So we are man. We got an awesome couple weeks coming up. Um, Next week we're going to be reviewing Green Room, Jeremy mm-hmm. Saulnier's newest, latest film, and then following that will be Civil War. Two great movies that we'll be reviewing in the next couple of weeks. Thoroughly um, really excited. I am too. Um.
1: Yeah. Uh, anything else? No. It, why? Why does this happen, man? Why did we? Why, why do good movies have to come in droughts? let yeah. We need to call Hollywood and be like, "Listen, guys, <laughs> we need you to release one quality film a week, so we can review it." Yeah, we're not asking too much of you.
0: Yeah, just, no, right,
1: exactly. Just schedule your film releases around my yeah. schedule, around we my timing. Just yeah.
0: if last week Green Room would have came out in Cincinnati, we could have <sighs> been, we could have done Green Room and then Keanu. Yeah, but it all works out in the end, and um, you know we're gonna see these movies regardless so. and they know it they have us by the balls They're pulling us around mm-hmm. um, but yeah so uh, tune in next week we'll be reviewing Green Room and then the following week uh, Civil War look forward to it email us at midnightfilmreview at gmail.com um, I think that's going to do it yeah alright we'll catch you on the flip side goodbye friends